What's up, everybody out there in the world of hip hop? Now you're tuning in to the very first episode of the Hip Hop Rejects. I'm Royalty, and my hip hop partner in crime is. Yo, it's your boy Young Fly Dinneris. And we're known together as the Hip Hop Rejects. We are an all hip hop podcast. Everything we talk about on this podcast is hip hop related. As I said before, my name is Royalty. I want to give you guys a little bit of background on me before we jump into the news of hip hop this week. Um, go by the name of royalty, um, background in music. I used to be an intern for a couple, couple major, couple indie labels, uh, did some internships here and there, work with music world, Capitol records, things of that nature, did some promo back in my college days for, for a Beyonce, Chingy, Toya Lucky, just to name a few people. Um, in addition to that, I just have like a strong love for hip hop as far as in relations to just a lot of things as just the success of it, how is how it's kept up, you know, over the years and things of that nature. So, uh, Young Fly, so what you got, man? Yo, it's your boy Young Fly didn't arrest. And my background is I used to be a rapper back in college, high school, producer, um, I also have a background in computer engineering. So, you know, I'm from the slums of my city, as they call it. That's funny <laughs> to me. That's some of the greatest geniuses that come out this slum. But, hey. So, Royalty, I want you to go ahead and tell everybody, how did you fall in love with hip-hop? Man, I fell in love with hip-hop. Um, I know in the beginning of Music Dog, I was um... – I was more of like of an R&B head in the very beginning when I fell in love with just music in general. Um, the one record that really just stood out to me was uh, Outkast AT Aliens was like one of the first hip hop albums I bought. And the thing that kind of like really caught my eye, I've heard, I had heard at the time though, at the time when I first heard Outkast, I first heard me and you from one of my aunt's boyfriend. And I, I heard, I heard the song and it just, like capture me immediately when I listened to it. Uh, and then the other thing was that that cover ATL, it was, it was a comic book cover. So that's another thing that actually just caught me. So, and from then on, I've always been like a diehard outcast fan since then been a, you know, huge fan and hip hop and things of that nature. Um, you know, other than outcast, my other, you know, inspirations in music, you know, I'm a huge TI fan. Um, been love any and everything come in. I still feel, you know, he's such an underrated lyricist. And when it comes to comes to rap, even though like right now he's not releasing a lot of material right now, but I still feel he's like one of the coldest lyricists right now is come in. There, so. Okay. I fell in love with hip hop a little earlier in my life than you did. Um, I guess because I rode around with my uncle a lot as a child. My um, I first fell in hip hop when I heard "I'm Bad" by LL Cool J. So you know that was back in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm the same age as you, but I I remember that. So um, that's when I fell in love with hip hop. The first hip hop album I bought was Bone East, nineteen ninety nine. You know, and um, 
it was I was in Cleveland, Ohio, with my family, and that's where they're from. And my cousin was like, he let me hear it, and he said, "Yo, you need to get this." And I got home. I remember begging my mom's for it, begging my mom for it. She gave me money. I remember. I think we had Camelot Music in our mall at the time. Yep, yep. And I remember that. And that's what I went and bought. And they wouldn't let me buy because I was such a little kid. So my mom actually bought it for me. So let's talk about that real quick, man. Like, okay, you know, I think when the Outcast record came out, I think I was probably maybe at the time, I think probably about seven or eight myself. And um, it's crazy how, you know, how we came up, you know, because we came up together through junior high and high school, things of that nature. And it's crazy how, youth is affected, you know, about, by hip hop, they're affected, you know, their actions and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, we bought mature records that was supposed to be for 17 people that's 18 years and older. And we listened to that through all our youth. And it, we didn't, you know, it didn't affect us like that. It, we didn't, we knew what to do with the message that they were giving at the time in music versus like now, a lot of the kids, they take it, they take it so literal. They feel like they have to act on, you know, whatever they hear. Yeah, um, I have a big problem with that, actually. Okay, when I came up, I listened. Being from the south, I heard a lot of Master P, Mister Ice Cream Man. You remember? Uh, at the time, he was like the hottest thing going. But I didn't want to go out there and sell no dope. You feel me? Right. Even though I got the gist of what Mr. Ice Cream Man was, if you listen to it, you know, and if you had heard Ghetto D, he actually tell you in Ghetto D how to cook crack, you know, but I didn't want to go cook crack. Like, I knew it was just entertainment. Right, these right, kids, right. These, these, these kids these days, they don't, they don't see hip-hop as entertainment. They see it as, you know... Oh, I can go out and go do that. Yeah, but I think I think it's because uh, today a lot of the parents are younger. Even though my mom was a young parent, you know, um, she still instilled in us. You know, you don't go out there and do nothing like that. I ain't raising you to do that, and right. that's what a lot of these parents got to do, man. You know, yeah, yeah, I took I it. I mean, for me myself, like I took it as like you know these guys are there. They're telling a story from where they came from. And basically when you get the when you get the album, you get the record, you're just along for the ride. It ain't for you to go, you know, oh, NWA for for a very, very good example, uh, cop killer, stuff like that. You're not gonna go out there and go gun down no cop. Right, right. You know, it's 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 a different age, man. Like the the children today, they're not like how we were, just like we weren't like how our parents were. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it's just, you, you know, know the times change. But it's a people like us who know better to teach them better. Right. If we yeah. don't teach them better, they'll never know better. So that's, that's true. All right, man. So let's get into um, I know with hip hop, everybody has their so-called top five, sometimes top 10 list of MCs, rappers, whatever you want to prefer you know, prefer to as your, you know, your favorite artist that that's in hip hop. Um, and we want you guys to listen to the podcast to, to really get him, you know, let us know 
what you what your guys top five i know a lot of people gonna say biggie a lot of people gonna have Pac on the list and things of that nature uh i want you guys to hit us up on twitter at hip hop rejects with a z or you can email us at the hip hop rejects at gmail.com um, and just let us know what your top five list is and we can and on the next show. Hey, you may we may shout you out and, and mention your top five list. Uh, Young Fly, what should what would be your top five? Doc? Uh, my top five. And I'm basing this on young know, longevity. Who they write for. Um, and record sales. My number one is because of how he wrote. The passion he had would be Tupac. Nothing he has never been duplicated. And I don't think no one would ever begin to start a revolution through music like he did. And when I say a revolution, I'm talking about socially. Right, right. My number two, because he is, to me, the best lyricist I've ever heard. Andre 3000. Number three would be, um, I'm going to say Eminem. I've never heard a rapper put his personal life out there the way he has. The, the, the lyricist that he is, the fact that he writes for so many people, a lot of y'all don't know that. The fact that he pretty much came up like we did, even though he a white boy. So right. number three would be Eminem. Number four would be Big because of his lyrics and the fact that he did so much in so little time. And number five would be the GOAT, the greatest of all time. I know saying the greatest of all times, he should be number one, but He's the only rapper that came out in the 80s and is still relevant to this day, and that's LL Cool J. No rapper out there owns their masters. None. You know? Yeah, that's that's true. There's there's not not many artists out there that you could really think of. I mean, that I can think of currently at the moment. And then after the, you know, L's um, last album, you know, and Russell and them, they did him the, you know, they did him the diligence of, you know, like, okay, here's your masters, man. So you can't really, nobody can say, you know, he's going to always to the end of, to lead his earth, to always be making money off his hard work and his, you know, and his skills. So, right. He can go anywhere in the world and sell out a show right now. Can't too many cats say that. So that's true. That's my top five. So royalty was your top five and the reasons why. My top fives, uh, I would start with the king himself, Tip, T.I. Um, I was a wow. T.I. From, from a standpoint with, with T.I., for me, when I first heard the record, I'm serious. It was just something about, it was just something about Tip at the time. And it's just like, okay, this cat right here, he, he has it. And, you know, it took him a while to bounce back when he came back with, you know, the rubber band man record because he did take a hiatus off for a, long, for a long time dealing with, you know, dealing with things with the label and things like that, trying to get another, you know, trying to get that sophomore album out. So I would say, right. I would say T.I. for that reason. Other reason, you know, back then with the whole T.I. and Flip Beef, I mean, the man called himself King of the South. 
And guess what? Ain't nobody ever came to contest it other than yeah, other, exactly. other, other than Flip. So I can all you can easily say this man is the undisputed champ and the king of the South. Right. Uh my next on my list would be um would be Ludacris. Um and Ludacris ends up not being on a lot of people's lists, and I'm yet to understand like what it what 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 is people hung up on when it when it comes to Luda. Because the guy, I mean, his wordplay for years and years on all the albums he's come out with is just is pure genius. What he how he comes up with, and I've had to argue with people before, like, well, he's not a real he he raps a, his his rap is more fun and less serious. I'm like, does rap necessarily have to be rap? Can be fun and rap can be serious. I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about you know lyricism and wordplay. And I feel like he's the greatest to ever well, to ever do that. Hip hop started out as fun, right? Hip hop came out of the disco era. I mean, you it started out hip hop, a hippie, a hippie, a hip to the hop. You don't stop the banging with the bang bang boogie, the up jumps the boogie. Ain't nothing serious about that. That's fun, right? That's the type of rapper Luda is. He he's a modern day rapper with. Uh, old school beginning of hip hop style, right? And then my next uh, after Luda, um, I would say um, I'm gonna put. I know people, some of my people are like you know, Big ain't in your in your top two. I would say Biggie third. Only reason I say Biggie third because I didn't really understand the the whole hype train behind Biggie at the time. I didn't really. I respect what he's done for for hip hop and things of that nature, but I really didn't know how as far as when it came to flow and wordplay until I saw the Biggie movie. And after I, after after I saw that movie, I just went and just pulled up everything I could about Biggie as far as you know music goes, and I just like I just engulfed myself in it. And so I have a I say I have a like a you know a really true respect like man this dude is is what it is he's he's you know he lives up to the hype even though like like you said like biggie was only here for a short time but dude did a lot from that short time he was he was here so um my next one would be um i'm gonna say um gonna say come here now and you know you know how we how we came up on Cause I'm we in the south, so you know how we came up on right. on Swisher House and big swangers and Vokes, right? Color changing click and things right. like that. And I know some people, some people that me let me listen to the podcast. That they, you know, they up north. They they got to that. A lot of them got to that a lot later, and a lot of them probably may know. You know, they know who Cam is and things like that, and color changing click and things of that nature. But Cam is just same thing as in, in when same argument I give him. When it comes to Luda, but Camino is when it came down to when he went to the majors, got with Universal, he came out with Sound of Revenge and Ultimate Victory. He, I mean, in a sense, an Ultimate Victory, he challenged the game because he didn't cuss on that album at all, even though he could have. And the, the millions of mixtapes he's come out with, you know, you can use profane. He can he use profane words even then, but he was very limited to it, and that that really showed, you know. A true MC doesn't have to use, you know, as we say, some people say foul language to to get his point across. Right. 
And there's other things that, you know, again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mark for, for wordplay when it comes to, to catchphrases and just punchlines and things of that nature when it, when it comes to rap. And then him just standalone, just freestyling is just great to me. So, okay. I'm going to tell you something. The greatest line comedian that ever spit was on the first mixtape Messiah. Let me guess, popping trunk on your grave? No. Because <laughs> I hear a lot of people say that about when he, he was beefing with Mike Jones. So a lot, that's a lot of people's favorite favorite line. He says, Green's falling like rain while my trunk's shaking like thunder. My first sound like a mom. <laughs> you turn you the mixtape off after that line. There's no coming back. Exactly. There's no coming back. <laughs> another thing about another thing about Cam, man, as far as with I, I think shoot, I can't really put this to, you know, statistics or anything, but I know with I don't think anybody has had a longer series of mixtape because Mixtape Messiah went to Mixtape Messiah seven, I wanna say. I so, think Wayne right there with him. Wayne well but he well with Wayne he's had different series. He hasn't stayed consistent with I think the drought is probably the only one he's done consistently as far as like gangster grills, but I don't think he's even that f- he may be close to being that far in, I believe. Okay, okay. So number one, um not a lot of content out, but I respect this particular person and what he's done in his group, which is gonna be Andre three thousand. Because a lot of even though he hasn't had a solo album Everything he's done on all the Outcast records from Southern Playlist to Cadillac Music to AT Aliens to to Aquemini to Stankonia to Idlewild. It's just, you know, he's just to me, he's he's really evolved as a lyricist. And I'm like, I know everybody just like I am, probably just like you are, is really just clamoring for that that one solo album from him. Because all the features that he jumps on, man, he kills every single feature that he jumps on. I mean, like with three stacks, it's like, like why? When he say certain things, you're like, why? And the most underrated record he has ever done was the Love Below. Like he may seem like he's singing a lot on there, but the fact is, you gotta listen to what he's saying. Right, and uh, yeah, I guess you could say in a sense. I guess you could say in a sense. Yeah, Love Below was kind of like his solo album. I mean, I bought both of them, you know. But yeah, I guess you can't consider that one as one of his solo albums. But I, you know, I want him to do something that's where he's just, you know, just him. You know, I just want to kind of feel bad because I feel like we left like if we did the top ten, Big Boy would be there. So yeah. If I would have yeah, because I thought about that, man. If I were to say like, you know, we do like something like a poll for, you know, best hip hop duos, being that there's not a lot of duos out there, you know, Outcast would probably be at the top of it. I mean, I got some other there's some other duos out there that I, you know, from that I would think that would be in that running as well. So like, you know, Outcast would be my number one. Yeah, mine too. Uh man, UGK. Number, uh yeah, UGK would be another one. Um who else did I had in mind? Um, I don't uh, know if you heard of the new. It's some new cats, and you probably done heard of them before. Um, Audio Push. I don't know if you ever listened to anything. They had one record, which was a uh, thing. Was teach me how to uh, teach me how to jerk. 
And uh, from, from from then on, from then on, there's some there's some young cats, but from then on, right? If you have not listened to and, and y'all out there, if y'all have not listened to Audio Push, I recommend going on Datpiv and searching searching for these guys and just listening to a lot of the stuff they got. Cause they the, they some real t- they from a they from they're outside they out of uh Cali but they were some real real talented cats as far as be a dude and I have I, I hate the fact that they're signed to an indie label they're signed with a Hit Boy and um I really just hate they're not signed to a major you know where they can get more exposure because they're like like some of the stuff that they come up that some of the like the records and stuff they come out with and they, they seem like they're some nineties kids uh that they grew up on because they have a lot of some of the records that they had on the uh, last, I think one of the last mixtape slash albums that I listened to that they had, they had a lot of 90 influence sample records that they had on there that they were rapping to. So, um, I would put third, um, uh, maybe, um, Mob Deep. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't do Mob Deep. I would say Red and Meth. Red and Meth would be my number three. Damn, Mob Deep. Yeah, the Rock Wilder, yeah, the Rock Wilder, uh record. Yeah. And then the uh I still got still got my copy of the Blackout. So, yeah, yeah, the Blackout uh, and and the Blackout too. Yeah, and the Blackout too. Um that was another that was another duo that I was thinking of. Uh well, and yeah, then other I mean, not really I would say National it'll probably be more of a South South thing, Camille there and Paul Wall is another one. Yeah, yeah. Camille and Paul Wall, yeah. Yeah. I mean good. You know what can be said. Yeah, I mean, I would love for them to do because I know a couple of years back they finally got back together because they were because I know Camina was going through that beef with that you know with Mike Jones and then that stemmed down to to his him and his relationship with Paul Wall and I know they had like a reunion. I want to say back in like '09 um at a performance that they had and they you know they re- reunited and I remember I went to and, and actually I went to a, a concert at the House of Blues and that was right when they reunited and he showed up on stage uh then when Cam had a he had a concert at the House of Blues. So all right man so let's get in, let's get into some um I know we can probably continue to talk about you know our favorite you know hip hop Everything and go yeah. on for go on forever and ever. Uh, we can also say that you know, say some more of that for some other episodes. But uh, let's get into some um, some quick news real quick before we jump uh, on the deep end into some of this other other stuff that's going on in hip hop. Uh, we got a uh, um, for those who have AT and T Uverse, we got Revolt TV will be coming to Uverse uh, starting July twenty seventh, which is actually this coming Monday. Uh, by the time you guys hear this, it will be live on your AT&T U-verse service. Uh, we also got uh, for those uh, who watch Love and Hip Hop. Um, there's a rumor that Remy Ma is supposed to be coming to coming to Love and Hip Hop New York. I wonder is I wonder is um, is the boy Papoose gonna show up on a, on a couple of episodes along with her? Probably more than likely, but we'll see. Um, and then also other thing we got is, uh, today marks the, the 10th anniversary of Jeezy's, uh, debut album. Let's get it. Thug motivation. One on one actually came out July 26, um, 2005, but 26 is like a Sunday. So, you know, they go ahead and celebrate it, you know, today. Um, I want to say, um, 
I just saw a couple of days ago, uh, there should be an actual 10th anniversary concert going on, on exclusively on Tidal uh, tonight uh, to celebrate that uh, 10th anniversary of, uh, of Let's Get It, Thug Motivation 101. So, um, so Young, let me ask you something real quick, man. So where were you the first time you heard Let's Get It, the, the, the album itself? Uh, when I first heard it, this gonna probably get me in some trouble, but I just heard about it and I went and downloaded it because I actually bought the mixtape, you know, that came out before it. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to G's and I was just like, yo, this cat cold, <laughs> like, like real talk. So, I downloaded using uh, Kaza or Kazai or however you say it, Kaza. Yeah. I downloaded that album and uh, I had got my, I had just got my first car. Really? Yeah. And I was like jamming it stupidly. (laughs) (laughs) Funny thing is, before that record, before he dropped that album that summer, I actually promoted for Jeezy. Uh, I think want to say maybe a month before going into it, uh, we did some, I know that summer I did some promo work for Jeezy. Um, that's when I think that's when he was kind of like wrapping up the boys in the hood deal yeah. or whatever. And, um, yeah, we, uh, he, he sat down and, um, internship I was with at the time, he sat down, talked with us. Jesus real cool, laid back dude. Even, even then at the time, just getting into the game, he was still, uh, very laid back, cool, cool guy. Um, I, I remember when I heard Let's Get It, I was chilling in ATL for like a summer. And I, I know my, you know, a homeboy that I was with at the time there, man, we was jamming that like every single day, everywhere we went. Yo, and I want to correct myself. I had got my second car because my second car had woofers in it. So, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I was really bumping it, especially, you know, um, his single he came out with at the time. So, um, I'm having a hard time coming off the top of the dome with what the name of the single was. But the bass in it, it was, it was done by Manny Fresh. And the oh, I got you, I got you, I got you on that one. Then what? That was the name of that was the name of the first. Then what? Yeah, you know, I'm getting old, man. My memory ain't as good as it used to be. Hey, man, as soon as you said said Manny, I knew exactly, I knew exactly which record it was. So yeah, so you know, we uh, you know, I was in college and we, I'm talking, it was serious, my dude. You know, we go in the club, man, and G's to come on the club, get crunk, so. I mean, hey, that's where I was when I heard "Let's Get It." All right, all right. So let's get into the, let's get into the meat of things here, people. Um, let's go into talking about. I know everybody, you know, just came out this week. The whole deal with Meek Mills versus Drake. Um, Young, could you give us a little rundown on for those who probably may not have heard of what's going on with the whole Meek Mills and Drake situation? Give us a rundown how this how this uh in a sense, I guess you want to say how this beef started. Alright, check this out. First off, let me say this. I got a problem with rappers that get in their feelings. That's just me. I know we all human, 
but some stuff you don't take to the mainstream, especially right. when you're trying to attack someone's career. All right, so check this out. Apparently, word on the street is Drake was supposed to do a show with Meek, and a, went, a while back, Meek had shouted out Drake's album. Mm-hmm. Well, Meek got in his feelings because Drake couldn't make it to a show and do a song with him. And Drake never shouted out Meek's album. And, you know, Meek took to, and fans were commit, uh, comparing Meek to, Meek to Drake. And he flew off the handle. Mind you, he has done this once before with his label mate, Wale. So, I mean, what it's looking like to me is apparently Meek is softer than the footballs in Foxborough. You feel me? <laughs> I'm just saying, man. So, Meek has gone out and flew out the handle saying Drake doesn't write his own lyrics and he has a ghostwriter um, guy named Quinn Miller. Well, Meek, I'm sorry, my guy. Looks like you're wrong again. Quinn Miller has come out and said he is and never will be Drake's ghostwriter. He said he collaborated with Drake on some songs. All right, so Drake doesn't have a ghostwriter. And to all you fans out there that claim y'all don't like Drake because he read his lyrics off his phone, don't nobody use ink and paper no more. It's going to be extinct in a minute, even in classrooms. You know, that's, people... Yeah. People yeah, it's like too. That. A lot of rappers do that, man. A lot of rappers yeah. use. I remember. I think. Um. I think even in the beginning, shoot, if he's probably still, he probably could be still using BlackBerry like he was in the very beginning. Uh, when he used to, when he used to um put his lyrics down. Because I remember, I remember seeing that a behind the scenes deal with Drake, and he would always, he was one of those last people that was still using Blackberries, and he was writing his lyrics in there. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of people do that, like. When you see cats in the studio, nobody has paper. I mean, they're freestyling or reading off their phone. I mean, that's just what they do in today's age with the fact that you have technology. So, I mean, if you want to see cats out there with a composition notebook flipped open. Exactly. Like we used to do back in the day, you're probably not going to see that. You're not going to see them with the college rule tablet. Standing in front of the mic. <laughs> These days, boys probably snatching lyrics, so that's probably the last thing they want to do is put it on paper. So, exactly. Hey, well, well, with that I, being with that, with that being said, though, um, you know, with the whole ghostwriter deal, and that's always been that's always been like a very very touchy subject with rappers in general, and with R and B. If we can talk about R and B for just like a real quick second, with R and B artists they have ghostwriters all the time and nobody ever, 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 ever ridicules a R&B artist, a singer for not writing their own songs. I know I understand and I get because it's rap music and it's hip hop that that's the whole part of the art is being able to write rhymes and write lyrics. But Hey, you know, sometimes, you know, some people may have the look, they may have it, as far as in the delivery and the flow, but hey, they may can't put they may can't put the words together to say what they want to say. Exactly. Number one and number two ghostwriters in the R and B game, Neo, 
Yes, he's your artist's favorite artist. Mm-hmm. The Dream. Another he's smuggle. your other artist's favorite artist. Neil yeah. has written from everybody from top to bottom. The Dream also. Yeah, the dream. The dream's been doing it for years. Even before y'all even ever heard of the dream, he was doing it. Him and uh, him and Tricky Stewart was turning our records for years together uh, for a lot of your favorite R&B artists. So, Neo is the game's Swiss beat. Been writing for people since he was a teenager. Yep. So, I mean, if they if they if rappers got ghostwriters, then so what? Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and there's a lot of things as far as with, you know, with the whole ghostwriting deal, like people have been saying for years, you know, the boy, the boy Hove, Jay-Z um, has been had a ghostwriter. Now, if Jay does, and part of me, I love Jay-Z, don't get me wrong, but part of me feels that he kind of does. And let me explain the reason why I feel he kind of does. In hold on. Hold on. Before you do this. <laughs> before you do this. Before you drop this nuclear bomb. <laughs> before you start Iwo Jima. Let's get one thing straight. If Hove does have a ghostwriter, that's the coldest cat in the game. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna. And the thing, another thing is, what I was gonna say, you ain't gonna never find him because he, if he does, he pay that boy top dollars to never snitch. <laughs> Yo, and real talk, like another ghost, another guy that writes for a lot of cats. Andre three thousand writes for a lot of cats. The boy Loso, aka Fab, he writes for a lot of cats. You know. You got cats like most um, and you know, Kanye, all these cats write for other cats. So, you know, that's how people make their money. The pen is mightier than the sword. The pen makes the money. If you're a exactly. producer or a writer, you're going to get paid more. No exactly. But going, but to go into my, you know, to my logic behind the whole Jay Ghostwriter deal. Okay. So, for those who follow Jay-Z's career, everybody know in the very beginning, Jay was somewhat of a tongue twister when he first started to rap. On, on, on you, If you go and look up some of his early, early records, Jay would tongue twist. And now, fast forward to 2015, and just over the years, his flow has slowed down. Me and my theory when it comes to to lyricism. I know you develop and you change and you evolve over time. I understand that and I get that, but I can't see a rapper completely changing his style completely for changing his style from tongue twisting to to a more laid back rap like Jay-Z has. Now, man, that's like Twister all of a sudden slow down, slowing down. You would think something's up if he's rapping slow. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I don't think it's more of a ghostwriter. I think somebody came to Hope and is collaborating with Hope mm-hmm. told him, yo, we need to do it this way. It sounds better this way. Right. You know, let's slow it down a tad bit. You know, and um, I believe that's more of the fact of what it is with Hope. Yeah. You know? Other person that we got that's that we know that has that has a ghost writer, and that would be 
Wayne has been accused of having goes right. For example, Carter won everybody's favorite, favorite Lil Wayne record, in which I still Not wish to, still wish to this day. I would say, yeah, I would say Carter one and Carter two that I wish he would go back to that to that that style of flow. Even though I know, you know, you know, everybody that knows or doesn't know, you know, him and it was his ghostwriter was supposedly be uh Gilly the Kid and the the stuff that he wrote for him for those for those for those albums is just it's just we I feel that that's how that's the way we should still get to this day. But of course, you know, things change, people fall out, so that's that's not the case anymore. Um I know from I want to say one of the albums, um, I want to say Carter three. I know I I heard rumblings of that. Drake was writing some stuff for Wayne too, which is kind of funny for them people to say. That's why I found the whole Meek and Meek saying what he said, him Drake having a ghostwriter when I heard that Drake was ghostwriting for Wayne. So how somebody going to have somebody write for them and he writing somebody else. That just don't make sense. Exactly. Um, to me, Wayne's best album was when he was working with BG. You know, um, you know, the block is hiding to me is Wayne's best album. It was gutter. It was straight street, you know, and don't forget, don't forget that 500 degrees that they like to forget about. Man, that was garbage. I know it was garbage. Though. I just, I just like, I, I just, I find it quite funny when you go search for, if you search for the only record, the only singer that came out on that album was Lights Out. You cannot find Lights Out nowhere. I mean, no, the 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 album Lights Out was a good album. You know, that came after the block is hot. The album Lights Out was Wayne had a good album. He was just getting into manhood. He was talking about some things. He cursed more. But his first album, The Block is Hot, when he was a youngster, he was BG wrote most of his lyrics and stuff. Um, you know, you know, you know I, I ain't gonna say wrote most of his lyrics, mm-hmm. but he worked with BG a lot on that album. That was his best album to me. And you was right. Let me let me let me correct myself on that. On the uh, lights out is the album that they tend to try to forget. Uh, because I know I've looked for the I've looked for the single lights because I personally like that record and I like the video was I like the video at the time that, that came out so, but Lights Out is one of the albums that you can't on Wayne's discography you can't find that album you really would have to search really hard to, to find that to find that second album that he came out with um on the album it had Midnight um it had another one where he was really tongue twisting on it can't, yeah, it's called Can't You Fool Me Now. Um, it was a pretty good album to me, man. Yeah, evidently the label didn't, the label didn't really feel that way because they try to make that mug disappear. Um, some other people that, you know, that, that guy that has ghost riders that a lot of people don't really know about and, um, would be like, uh, you got Ghostface Killer, which we're going to talk a little bit more about his situation. And a few. Um, he has a ghost rider. Um, actually, Method Man writes some things for him as well. A lot of people probably be surprised to hear that. Um, another one of the you know guys from the from Wu Tang writing for each other. So 
don't see too much wrong with that. Um, you got um, your boy, Mr. Mason Betha. Um, he used to be actually used to wasn't wasn't being wasn't the person getting wrote for, but he was actually the ghost writer. Uh, he wrote for uh, the late great Big L. So he wrote a lot of he wrote a lot of wrote a lot of things for him back in the day before um, before the passing of Big L as well. Um, let's see, we got uh, which I kind of knew this part already. Uh, Snoop, um, his uh, Malice in Wonderland album, he had a lot of he had, he had a lot of ghostwriters on that album, which I knew he, he even you know said in some interviews that he was experimenting, you know, had some people writing and stuff for him, so. I won't, you know, for when then Snoop's defense, I probably wouldn't discredit him too much, but uh young, correct me if I'm wrong. Um Snoop's first record was written by someone else too, right? Wasn't it um wasn't it Q or was it Dre that wrote? I think no, nah, because Dre used uh Q worked with him on his first record. It wasn't completely written by um Q, but um uh, Q worked with Snoop on a, a lot of it. He had a lot of creative input on that first record. Okay, okay. Um, other thing, man, you know, the whole thing about Ghostwriters, like, man, how would you feel if, like, you know, yo, what if, what if you were to find out? Let's give you a hypothetical question here. What if you were to find out that everything you know about LL? as a rapper and he had a ghostwriter entire time. How would that make you how would that make you feel, dog? I wouldn't feel no no type of way about it simply because I mean he delivered it. That's just like, man, I'm I'm gonna equate this to like this. I love LL. LJ LL is one of my favorite rappers. Uh I'm gonna equate LL to one of my favorite actors, who it happened to be Jackie Chan. Jack, what if you found out Jackie Chan didn't do his own stunts? He's an actor. Most actors don't do their own stunts. Correct. That's right. To me, that's what a ghostwriter is. A ghostwriter is a stunt man for a rapper. Right. I don't. I don't want to not see a movie because an actor doesn't do his own stunts. Therefore, I'm not going to not listen to a music because a rapper doesn't use his own lyrics. Great you point, know, great point. so you know that's that's just how I see it. Okay, okay. <clears throat> For me, man, I mean, like I said, like I was saying before, my standpoint on it, I mean, it's hard to compare the two because I mean, <clears throat> that's really where the bread is in the music game is doing being a producer being a songwriter and so a lot of these so a lot of these like when you said fab and you and i mentioned met the man on the ghostface you like you wonder why you don't see them because they getting money but they get money behind the scenes by writing for these other artists exactly my point exactly <clears throat> yeah so um next topic man since we're talking about ghostface um Boy, Ghostface Killer um, got into it with Action Bronson. Hold up, um, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You mean to tell me there's a cat out there calling himself Action Bronson? I've, heard some, I've had, heard some rap names in my day. I mean, you got the, 
Young Thug, I think that's dumb. Rich Homie Quan, please. This nigga named Action Brunson. Lord Jesus, take us back to the 90s. <laughs> but yeah, the whole situation with Action Brunson um, kind of stemmed from um comment that was made about the comparison between the two. Um, he made um the biggest thing that stuck out to me with the beef was that he's like I'm, it's like I'm Coke. He's Pepsi. Like why would you why would you why would you compare the two? So and that's ruffled a lot of people's feathers with you know that that are fans of Ghostface were given they were you know uh, death threats on Twitter and things of that nature from you know people who may not. I mean, the thing is, crazy thing is, Bronson ain't from, you know, most of the your white rappers tend to, a lot of them tend to hail from the South, like your Yellow Wolf and Bubba Sparks and things of that nature. But Bronson is actually a New York cat. So, and the crazy thing is, I've listened to a couple of Bronson's records and he really does sound like Ghostface. If you were to close your eyes, he sounds, he sounds very close in similarity to how he delivers, he sounds just like him. So I got you. Um, I got you. So I mean, the really, the real, and, and the real thing about it, it's more of a, um, it's more of a thing that we see a lot going around these days. Um, segue in a sense to the whole Wayne and Thug beef, and we'll talk about that in a few as well. But it's like a thing where you got these younger MCs in the game that are not respecting these cats that, you know, has been doing it for a while. They're not, you know, they're not, they're not respecting the tenure in the game. And, um, right. I mean, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, young, go ahead. All right. So like cats use beef in my opinion, either to wake up their favorite artists or to get their name out there. A beef that woke up somebody's favorite artist and put him back on the scene, I gotta give Jay credit. He woke Nas back up. You know? Yeah, that's true. Little do they know, Nas is one of Jay's favorite artists. He a New York cat, and he, you know, he was in the game before Jay, you know? And what Jay did was woke Nas up. Even though Nas went in head first and whooped his ass lyrically, you know, he woke him back up. Now, this action Bronson cat, he I, I feel as if he's trying to beef with Ghostface instead of acknowledging him and giving and paying homage to a Ghostface, he feel like a beef would get his name out there more. So he's trying to use it to prepare his career. And I don't like that. You know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of, I mean, a lot of, you know, PR, things of that nature. Um, I mean, there are probably some situations. I clearly can't name any that comes to mind recently. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of PR, you know, they tend to use when you're a rapper, oh, you got to get into a beef so you can get, you know, get your name out there or, <laughs> You know, so people can know who you are and things of that nature. Um, so with that, you know, I think that's just, I mean, we all know uh, with being fans of hip hop, you know, beef is just beef is just a part of the game. Um, 
when it's just just how it is. I mean, from you know us growing up in hip hop, man. You know, you got the the Cam and Flip. You got the you got the Cam and Mike Jones beef. You got the Ti and Little Flip. You got the Nelly and KRS One beef. You know, stuff but like that. to me, the greatest beef of all that like just literally uh, somebody that was a nobody came and took a somebody that was a somebody and ruined their career 50 Cent Ja Rule that is true um, the thoughts 50. on the, the whole the thoughts on the 50 and, and, and Ja Rule thing I am I know I ain't gonna be the only one that's gonna say this I was a Ja Rule fan wasn't too much of a fan of the harmonizing on the records, but when you go back to one of the coldest records for Ja for me was the first album, which was the Vita Vita Vici album, which is one I of the it. which is one of the coldest records I I I got have from from Ja Rule. I like that too, man. That was I, I, uh, how many wanna? That was my track. You know mm. that beat was cold, but and I was a Ja Rule fan too. But when 50 came out and the fact that 50 was with signed with somebody that was already known for his beats with people, That's I mean, <laughs> him and M took their feet and shoved it up the Murder Inc.'s anus, turned it sideways, and something some bitches elsewhere to use rock a rock reference. I mean... <laughs> I mean, and they just destroyed a record label. They came out of nowhere and destroyed a record label. Like, that's, it raged all-out war on them and won, you know, fatality, flawless victory. They couldn't punch back. <laughs> yeah, that's true, because they had the whole, they had the whole, you know... Um, and the then whole... they got Buster involved. <laughs> exactly. And then they had the whole situation with uh, uh, being funded by drug money, and then that just completely just took them. That completely just took them out of the game for for a long, long, long time. Um, Speaking of being funded by drug money, let's get one thing straight. I don't know an independent other than Def Jam that started out. That wasn't funded by drug money. Just putting that out there. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, we can probably you can probably more like to make that claim on on a lot of you know stuff on the on the. I would say probably at the time you know on the indie side of things, um, but it was just who you know who Murder Inc was with, which he was a. I'm not gonna say the name, but is he was a very he was a real big you know kingpin up in New York as far as when it came to the drug game. So, um, but yeah, just with the whole, um, just these younger MCs out here just not respecting, and I think that you know, you know myself, I'm more of a producer myself uh, when it comes to when it comes to the music game. Um, but at the same time, that's just like me being a producer. I look up to I look up to Timberland, and there ain't no way you gonna get me to go disrespect Timberland. I want to learn everything this dude knows. Exactly. Other than trying to you know trying to disrespect trying to disrespect or you know say some say something foul or uh, throw shade at the or throw shade at the guy. I mean you know pay homage you know 
let me shoot, teach me. Let me, I need to know what you know so I can be great just like you are. Exactly. Like if I was to say the one person I want to sit down with and learn from, it would be Diddy. And I ain't talking about on the music side. I'm talking about on the business side, dog. Like that dude, I mean, even though he can't keep an artist worth crap, I don't, I don't know, man. It's like when you work for Diddy, if you don't do it, it man, that man got that French Montana must do whatever Diddy say because he about the longest lasting artist I've seen in the minute. Because <laughs> Diddy didn't have some come and go. But as far as yeah, the business, yeah, that's true. But yeah, his relevancy, his relevancy, you know. I mean, I guess you. Well, I guess we could say, you know, a lot of people are probably like, oh man, I don't consider Diddy no, you know, no rapper. But I, you gotta, you gotta say he is a just like the whole comparison of, um, Diddy's not per se a rapper because he's another, he's another person that uses uses the Ghost Riders from from Rick Rawls to to Jock, um, things of that nature. But you gotta give him. You got to give him the respect of he's a hip hop entertainer and he's probably like probably one of the only people in that space that we can say like, oh, he's a he ain't, you know, you ain't going to see him spitting no 16 freestyle, no junk like that. But you will he will entertain you when it comes down to whatever he does, whether it's going on stage or or whatever it is he's doing in the game of hip hop. So and he know how to get that what? Paper. Yep. Definitely does that. And then on top of that, just his longevity in the game, man. You know, he's 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 one of the people that's withstood the test of time as much as you know music and hip hop has evolved. He's still relevant. He's still uh, he's still on the top of the Forbes getting money. So I, I mean, mean I mean I know I know back in the day Suge said, "If you don't want rapper, uh, yo, your producer dancing in your video, all on your song. Well, guess what, Suge? It worked out for Diddy, and guess where you at? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, hey, real talk. Hey, we just we look this show. We gonna tell you like tell you how it is. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, if you don't like it, oh well. But we are gonna tell you the truth about what's going on in this world of hip hop. Exactly." Uh, let's get to let's get to the big big story, you know. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you probably know about this that's going on. You know, the whole Birdman, uh, Lil Wayne beef. Um, probably say it's more like a triple threat, and than anything, because you got you got Young Thug in there as well. Uh, but the main, you know, the main beef is is really between uh Birdman and Wayne. And there's a lot of situations and a lot of you know things that's going on it stemmed from i know when i first heard about it it started from the whole twitter rant of tiger saying he wanted out of his label and then i think it was also little twists uh mentioned something like right after right after tiger did and then and then wayne popped up on twitter uh sometime after that and was like you know he felt like the label was holding him back from, you know, dropping, um, dropping the next Carter album. Cause they kept pushing it back. They kept pushing it back. And then it just went down from, you know, Wayne was like, you know, I want out of my, he wanted out of his deal just because, you know, he felt like either he, either one or two things happened. Either Wayne saw the, either 
it has to be more than just, you know, they ain't gonna let me release my record when I want to release it. Or, you know, like, you know, most record labels, all we feel is not the time. And then, you know, the climate has to be right for, you know, for us and to drop the next Carter album. Either that or Wayne realized what Juvie, what Manny, all of them realized from back in the day. And it just finally coming. It's finally coming to the surface. I'm going to go ahead and say what you won't say. That's my job. I say what royalty won't say. <laughs> Wayne got with Christina Million. And she didn't want to share him with baby no more. <laughs> we just gonna go ahead and put it out there. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, Wayne didn't want to get up, give up the ass no more. Yeah, that is his um, adopted father. So, um, I mean, so baby, form rich game with Young Thug, and Young Thug is his new boo. <laughs> that that's bae. <laughs> so really, okay, let's okay. So now that you mentioned, now that you mentioned Rich Gang, who is um? Because I've, I be honest, I really don't follow you know that that group in particular. Um, who is part of Rich Gang? As far as I know, Birdman and Young Thug. And was Rich Homie Quan until he you know yeah, beefing with yeah he was Rich Homie Quan, but Rich Homie Quan death. Yeah, and a lot of people was claiming that it was over beef with Thug, but what, but Rich Homie said it wasn't no wasn't no beef. He just wanted to take time to do some do some other projects. So I mean, I can feel that because it hasn't went any further. Than that. Ain't nobody said anything else, you know, about the situation. So could have been what it was. Um, other stuff that went down with this whole beef was uh, the ATL uh, bus shooting when Wayne had a concert. Um, and I know as of now, you know, baby saying he has, he's finally responded to say he has, he has nothing, nothing to do with that or anything like that. But I got a feeling that, you know, Birdman had a, was having a sugar night moment and he was just like, shoot, if I can't have him, nobody can. And so he just, he decided to take it upon himself to, to have, to try to get Wayne assassinated. Okay. I got an article here that's basically saying Young Thug and Birdman might be indicted simply because the shooter actually called Young Thug first before he went, a few minutes before he went to go shoot up the bus. And after he shot up the bus, he called Birdman. Now, if that don't sound suspicious, exactly. I don't know what do. Then they had uh, another. Then they had. I know on top of that, man. Then they had another situation about you know Wayne, or not Wayne, but Birdman was throwing drinks at Wayne and Wayne in the club. Um, as far as I know, Wayne didn't throw him back. So I'm like, you know, they, he was saying, you know, they tried to get, you know, some information off of, out of Birdman in that particular situation. It was no, he somebody, it was no such thing. You know, I think, I think Wayne was performing at that club or something like that in Miami. So, um, saying it was throwing or somebody as part, even if, it, even if it wasn't Birdman directly, somebody from the, from the Birdman camp, you know, threw a drink at Wayne or whatever. Right. Man, it, it's crazy, man. I, I mean, Cash Money died a long time ago. When you lost Turk, 
BG, and Juvie. Then you turned around and lost Fresh. Yeah, I think I think Fresh to to me. I mean, don't get me wrong. Everybody everybody that was part of Cash Money was great in their own way. Especially you know like guys like Juvie and stuff like that. That was one of the biggest blah blah wins. I feel like you know even when they left Cash Money, um, I still kind of felt because Manny was there because Manny was that sound for Cash Money. Right. I still, I still felt, even though he was doing, you know, records with, you know, it was mainly him and records with him and Birdman and stuff like that. Um, I still felt there was still that sound that Manny created on Cash Money. You still felt like, okay, even though these guys are gone, you know, it still kind of feels like it's, you know, it's still that nostalgia for for Cash Money was still there because he was always that sound. I mean, to me, the Hot Boys made Cash Money. Yeah, you know, back that thing up was what propelled them into the stratosphere. And bling bling, bling yeah, bling bling yeah. I mean that bling bling became something that's used today. Jury is no longer called jury. You walk in and say, "I want some bling," you know what I'm saying? But um, that was that was BG and Juvenile, my dude. You know. To me, they they BG and his and his and his gutterness and juvenile and his way to appeal. He he was gutter, but he could appeal to your female. That's what that's what did it, man. You know what I'm saying? Even though when you go back and listen to the music and you were like, man, these dudes so New Orleans is ridiculous, cause <laughs> you know, like like who talks like this? But <laughs> I mean, the music was good, and they was on freshest beats. Yeah, you know, when Juvenile went somewhere else, he yeah he came with some, he came with a couple of hot tracks, but he wasn't, it wasn't Juvenile no more. You feel me? Right. Now BG, BG Lowe's, he kept it gutter. He was gonna be alright. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um... Shoot, man! Last, last record I remember from BG was that uh that heartbeat record was used to go so hard. What's your heart beating for? You scared? You know, and he was going there. You talking about somebody that wear that baby at Wayne? Oh, we yes, he did, but, man. Like, but you know, hey, they squashed it, man. I miss my dogs. You know, hey. Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's right. They did have a reunion like uh, some months yeah. back into the, like near the beginning of the. I want to say the beginning of the year, like um, like March, April, somewhere around that point in time. It was it was Wayne, Turk, and Juvie. Uh huh. Because you know BG locked up, but um, you know, Jeden said, you know, if he get early parole, they go get on the road. They gonna do their thing. I know right. they, they. The thing was, they had to get away from baby. Right. They had to get uh, away from Birdman and Slim. Right. Other thing was, uh, shoot, Turk just got out not too long ago as well. He won actually won a case, um, against Cash Money for some unpaid royalties. Um, I don't know the exact figure that he won on it, but I know it was in the millions that he won on it. So, I mean, that was a you know, that was a. And he said he even said himself, you know, he said he felt. I know he was on the um, 
he was doing an interview and he was like, he said he didn't have any, you know, any malice or no, you know, heartfelt feelings toward, toward baby and them or anything like that. He just felt like, you know, they were young getting into the game and they didn't know no better. So at the time, you know, at the time, and assuming that, you know, baby knew what he was doing and he was just, you know, holding back money. Yeah. Holding back money. He, he knew, he knew everything that was going on as far as from, you know, money exchanging and stuff like that. And because they from the hood, they ain't know no better. You know, they gave him, I know a uh, Turk was saying, you know, they gave us, you know, a couple of houses, some cars and some jewelry and, you know, that type of thing, you know, that, that type of thing don't have no, it's material, man. It's not going, you know, that's, that crap goes away at the end of the day. So, right. You know, I mean, Juvie won a lawsuit against them, you know, to get paid for his tracks and stuff. So, you know, I mean, this this usually what happens in the game when you come in, you get a couple of cats, you know, they doing good, they young, they don't know no better. You the only one looking there with the money coming in, so you could divvy it out the way you feel. Where you feel, yeah, where you feel, yeah. Um, and then on top of that, man, it's just like you know. These cats finally, you know, finally realized, you know, that, you know, somebody that, you know, you thought that was, you know, he was this cat, you know, introduced us to this. And you would think that just surely off that, you know, that, oh, man, you know, I feel like, you know, this dude cares, you know, he gonna take care of us, you know, and we because we because we getting on. But, you know, over time, you know, money changes people. Right, right. Money is the root of all evil. I mean, as far as like those independent groups that came in the late 90s, early 90s, you know, that started, you know, like Pete, No Limit. Right. Speaking of of Pete, though, uh, I know Pete was actually, Pete actually spoke in an interview. He wants, he was, you know, he was, you know, prompting for, you know, for Wayne and Baby to, Squash the beef on that on that particular subject, but you know, once you at one point, uh, people felt like there was, even though they probably denied today, but you know, as a fan, we felt like when when you know, when Cash Money was coming up, we felt like there was a beef between them and them and No Limit because those were the two uh, two powerhouse that we had the up and coming, you know, powerhouse, and you had No Limit, which was a powerhouse alone by itself was coming up and everybody felt because they were both out of New Orleans that was beef there too. I mean, there there was beef. I mean, BG got a song on a Hot Boys album called Help. Guerrilla Warfare, BG got a song on the Hot Boys album called Help. Simply because No Limit had came out with a song with them Hot Boys that, and they had came out with a movie called Hot Boys and BG d- did not appreciate that and there were some old songs where they was went at cash money. I mean, where they went at No Limit. And, you know, No Limit tried to respond, but they just didn't have the manpower to do so at the time. Yeah, because yeah, cash money at the time was getting bigger and bigger. And that was when, of course, you know, No Limit was uh, sort of kind of on their, on their way out. Right. Uh, in, in a sense. So, um, they were one thing I went to the Romeo phase. Yeah, that's true. That was that, was that, that, was that point in hip hop there. Um, one thing I can say though about about No Limit 
that a lot of companies don't do. And you, if you've been a no limit fan and you grew up in the era uh, with no limit, I felt like, man, as a kid and a teenager growing up, I felt like these boys was dropping albums like every single week. And that's one thing I can always say about it's a lot of, it's a lot of rappers right here. They roll with entourage. You know, this is my boy. Um, he can rap, blase, blase, blase. His name is this. But you never hear a record come from them. But the thing with No Limit, if you saw somebody that was with P, it may not have been the best record, but guess what? Them boys dropped the record at the end of the day, and everybody off of No Limit dropped the record at some point in time when No, when no Limit was was on I mean was when new low low limit was popping so right right I mean they 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 came with it I mean from Cain and Abel to Mac to Mr. Servo uh C Murder True Silk the Shocker Mystical Mia X I can just keep going down the roster my dude <laughs> exactly and every single one of them every single one of them I remember them I remember them dropping an album uh P was always hyping it up when you would open up the booklet for the album or even at the time cuz this is how old is this is how long it's been even when you open up the cassette tape it uh-huh. was you had the you had the album off for so and so and so and so uh coming soon Silk the Shocker new album coming soon and he then he promoting the next album, got album are already in there coming soon. So it's like a lot of cats don't, I mean, a lot of labels per se don't really, don't really do that. They're not using, they're not using their mega stars that they have to promote the stars that may not be as big as the ones that's putting out the music. Because the kids, you now you know, people that, you know, people's going to pick up like, oh, man, I don't you know, I ain't never heard of so-and-so and so-and-so. But, you know, you know, it's in you see it in the, in the album or you're like, oh, man, I may pick that up and go check that out. So you right. never so you just never, never really know. And cats don't really labels and, and labels in general don't don't do that. And at least I don't see it as as much anymore. No, nah, they don't do it anymore, my dude. And then you got um. Another label um, is like Rockefeller, man. You know that was another label at the time. They had that. They had that era, man, where you know it was Jay, it was you know your boy Memphis Bleak, and as again like Memphis used to say, I'm just one hit away. And you know, so you had Memphis, you had you had Freeway, you had Beans. Um, then you also had they introduced uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the diplomats. Yeah, 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 Dipset. You had a, uh, and they had, and as the thing about them, they had, they had a large, large camp too when they acquired, especially when they got when Dipset got with them. Yeah, they had Twister for a hot second, Kanye. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they had a little squad, man. But you know, I mean, like you say, money. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened between Jay and um. Dang, but you know, I mean, they went they separate ways. Russell gave Jay Depp jail. And yeah, I think, I think, I think, kind of, sort of. I mean, I think my take on it. I think Jay just maybe just you know, you know, uh, Jay just kind of really just wise up in the situation. He started to you know. He started to just wise up, get more, get more knowledge on, on how to get money other than just through the rap game. And 
he didn't really he didn't really need Dame. I mean, in a sense, he probably just felt like he probably didn't need Dame anymore. He probably, you know, sometimes you in a lot of situations, man, sometimes you outgrow friends in, in certain situations. So and maybe maybe that rub, you know, every a lot of us know that, you know, Dame has an ego and it maybe just I mean it probably Jake probably maybe tried to do it in a you know respectful way. It probably just rubbed that man the wrong way. Yeah, you right, you right. That that's just that's. But let me get this out right. Had me as a rapper really got into the game, I still would have had my loyalties. You you don't the catch you come up with. And the cats you go to work you, that you came in to struggle with, just because you get on, that don't mean you stop being loyal to them cats, man. Y'all came through the struggle together. And right. you don't let nobody in the industry tell you you got to forget about them. Right. And that's what it seemed like a lot of these cats do. They get hot, and the dudes they was in the struggle with, they forget about them. Or they let somebody tell them you can't have them with you because they're going to bring you down or whatnot. I mean, if you sit up there and talk to your boys and be like, yo, we can't do the same things we were doing no more because it's going to look bad and we ain't going to get this money, I'm pretty sure they'll stop doing it in order to get this money. You're correct. That, that, that is Sometimes true. a simple conversation can go a long way. That's right. That is right. You know, and I don't think it's no loyalty in this hip hop game. I mean, it's loyalty to the money, not to your people. That's that's what I feel like it is. Yeah, that's very true, my man. It's just like a, that's a that's a, a whole nother story. You know, for those who know the know the history of EPMD, man. So that's that's a good good example of you know two friends turning against one another. Right, because to me. The the most loyal cat I've seen in the in the hip hop. Two of the most loyal cats that I've seen in the hip hop game. Um, to me was Webby, and even though I'm not a Boosie fan, Webby held it down for Boosie the whole time Boosie was locked up, regardless of record sales or whatnot. Webby held it down for Boosie. Well, you can say that about well, in that sense, you can say that about Bun, man. When 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 Pimp was yeah. locked up, Bun. Bun held, say that down, Bun held it down for a long time. Like for hey. it felt like it felt like Pimp was in jail forever. Exactly, man. That's who I was finna say next. You took words right out of my mouth. I was finna say Bun. You know, I mean, all you heard was free Pimp C, free Pimp C, free yep. Pimp C. Bun couldn't, Bun couldn't say, "Hey, how you doing?" Without saying, "I bet if he seen an old lady on the street." He was like, hey, how you doing? Free Pimp C. Yeah. You know, that was Cause, every cause, other cause word. Because a, a lot of time, you know, when, you know, when artists or, you know, label mates or anything like that, they get locked up. Yeah, you hear free so-and-so-and-so for the first, you know, couple months, couple weeks. And then after that, up oh, it's back on to doing what I was doing. And then they get out, you know, when they get out or whatever. So, um, Another person I got to give big ups to for like holding somebody down. Um, even though I wouldn't say they're they're a group, but they're a couple. Uh, and in hip hop, and that would be Papoose for uh, for Remy Ma man because he held her down. He didn't. She said I never remember an uh, interview that I watched with her. Man, she she said Papoose held her down uh, 
100%. And you know, you know, especially, you know, guys as rappers, man, you know, they be, you know, they on to the next one, especially if, you know, if your chick get, you know, get locked up. You know, right, so, right. So, so definitely, you know, cat like Papoose holding this, holding this girl down and, you know, you know, then making that, making that sacrifice to, to, to hold, to hold out till she got out. So that's a, that's a, that's a whole nother thing, whole nother thing there. So, right. We're going to go into our next segment, which would be, uh, our hip hop legend spotlight. So what we'll, we'll, we'll start doing, um, you guys can hit us up on on Twitter or uh, via email. Let us know if you guys have any um, have a hip hop legend you want us to spotlight, talk about, get our opinions on things of that nature. Uh, but this week, Young is gonna give us a little bit of a little bit of rundown on his favorite on his favorite artist, uh, hip hop legend LL Cool J. Yo. Like he said, our first hip hop legend we're gonna discuss is Lady Loves Cool James, better known as LL Cool J, Def Jam's first artist that it all started with. LL changed the way flows were delivered and brought in the era of flashy and big chains, jumpsuits and kangos, and became the light-skinned black man mascot after Michael Jackson went white. LL was '80s hip hop. He also had the ladies screaming since the 80s. So it's safe to say that your current women, young women, y'all mamas and grandmas, all love Cool James. For me, in my radio to 13, LL has rocked the mic almost 30 years. So salute to LL Cool J, the greatest. Y'all better salute LL before his mama tell him to knock you out. Hmm. For you, man, how would I mean? What would you say? Um, what would be your? What you? What would you say is your favorite favorite L album? My favorite L album. Mama said, "Knock you out." Mama said, "Knock you out." Okay, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, my- I know that's cliche, but mm-hmm. you know that album. That was the album where it was like. It was saying, you know, L can't ain't got it no more. You know, that was the album that brought him into the nineties. You know, they were saying he was still stuck in the eighties and everything. So I mean, you know, he had went through some stuff and it shows on that record. So that's that's what makes me think, you know, that's why it's my favorite. Okay. I got two of them that'll be my favorite. Um one would be um Mr. Smith. Um more of um kinda like a more of a I need love type of album because you got like the most um like two tracks that really stick out on there was uh Hey Lover with Boys the Men and of course uh uh Doing It was another was another record that's kinda stood out on Mr. Smith album. Right. My other one of my other favorites would be Phenomenon, just simply for the fact I did love the phenomenon uh record from back in the day, just the single itself. So really I really I was I'm a big, big person, big mark in for um like videos like that that has like really, really big budgets. And that particular video, you know, it looked like it looked it was a 
very well produced video that I that I that I saw from LL. So, right, and, and you know some other some other tracks. You know, like you said, I need love. You know, what I'm saying as a, as a child, my mom them say I used to love. I'm going back to Cali. You know, what I'm saying I'm bad. Um, you know. Those are some great hits, man. There's, this is like lyrics at their best, you know. Was, you know, even though he was flashy and all that, you know, you had to sit and listen to the man. Right. Let's see. So, I mean, as far as with that, man, you know, you know other things, you know, with L, you know, he's probably had the model – say rap career because a lot of rappers tend to want to get into they always want to expand themselves and get into the whole acting and movies and things and just try to make that additional money outside of outside of uh outside of hip-hop and he's one of probably the only i won't say the only but he's probably the most recognizable uh rapper that has been very very successful at, at crossing over and doing that uh, I would right. say probably I would say probably along with probably say Ludacris would be another one that's that's been very successful that has it as like a second career aside from aside from rap and hip hop. So, right, right. I mean, another thing I admire about LL is the fact that you know he made all these songs, and you may think you know his name is Ladies Love Cool James, but he's been dedicated to the mother of his children. He's been a great father. And, um, you know, he did an interview with Oprah and, um, you know, he had his whole family on there and, you know, he, he, he's done what a lot of rappers don't do, you know? And that was, that was something to admire. You know, that's a role model to inspire to be like, Exactly. To definitely like, you know, to end the whole, you know, to get to end the whole thing and have have a family and not be out here, you know, messing with, you know, messing with these these models and things of that nature. So. Right. Right. So. I think we ought to go ahead and wrap it up. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a good, 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 you know, first episode. Uh, I really, really. Hope that you guys um, get us up there um, on the charts. This will um, be a weekly uh, hip hop show. Uh, you can look for us on. Uh, you can search hip hop rejects on iTunes. Uh, in addition to that, um, you can look for us on Podbean as well. Um, and then also along with that, uh, remember guys to. Uh, email us and tweet us your top five DOA top five dead or alive at uh, hip hop rejects with the Z or email us at the hip hop rejects at gmail.com. You can also post on our page on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Oh yeah, that's right. Don't forget the Instagram. Uh, <laughs> if you guys have anything as far as, you know, tweet us any pictures, you can even go as far as, you know, like, Link us on some pictures of your of your top five. That way, it doesn't have to be little. It doesn't have to literally be in words per se. So, any way to get it to us, uh, just make sure in those emails or on the Twitter post that you put your name, uh, where you're from, and we'll definitely try our best to shout you out on our next show. All right.
I will. I will, Young. Signing off, man. It's been a good episode. All right. All right. Appreciate it, man. Hip hop, 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 hip hop